0: Hi, this is Ryan Roberts, and welcome to The Millennial Preacher. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope it's both encouraging and challenging in all the right ways. We're excited about today's show, so let's get going. I'll start off by telling you a little bit of a funny story. There was an executive, a very, very, very rich man, and he had what he thought was a very strange disease. It caused splitting headaches, ringing in his ears. He went to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. He went to all these different people. They performed all of these different things. They couldn't find anything wrong with them. He went to the dentist. He got an ear canal. He went to, to, to the neurosurgeon. He couldn't find anything wrong with his brain. He found no relief. Finally, he found a world-famous brain surgeon who said, The only thing I can think of is you must have a terrible brain disease, and you're going to be uh, dead within a year. So the man said, well, I've got this super fancy job. I've got all this money. I think I'll spend all of this retirement money on anything I want. So he went to indulge himself. He loved custom-made shirts and suits and sports coats. So he goes to the tailor, and they're measuring his sleeves, and they're measuring his neck, and they're measuring all these things. And, and, and as the tailor was measuring him, he said, the neck is 16 and a half inches the executive said, Oh, no, 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 no. I have always had a 15 inch collar. My whole life since I've been an adult, I've had a 15 inch collar. Check again. The tailor did it again. He called out 16 and a half inches. The rich man, the executive said, I insist you make it 15 inches because that's what I've always worn. The tailor said, Okay, but don't blame me if you have a splitting headache and ringing in your ears. You can laugh at that. It's a joke. Here's why I tell you that. Sometimes we get so comfortable in the same old, same old. We get comfortable in our mess. We get comfortable in our situation. We get comfortable in our addiction. We get comfortable in our life. Kind of like wearing the same clothes, comfortable clothes every single day. There's nothing like a good fitting pair of blue jeans. Amen? All right, I got one person. Corey's like, yeah, I got you tonight, bro. There's nothing like a good pair of clothes, but sometimes it it doesn't call for the situation. If I go to the doctor and the doctor walks in and he's got an Alabama t-shirt on and gym shorts, I don't know if I trust him for multiple reasons. I want him wearing scrubs or a white coat or something that matches the situation, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a really fancy restaurant. I've been in one maybe once in my life, and they have a little sign at the door that says you got to wear a sport coat and a collar if you're a man, and the ladies have got to wear a certain thing. The situation wouldn't call for even what I'm wearing right now. It was different. So sometimes you got to change your clothes. Say, change your clothes. clothes. That wasn't good enough. Change your clothes. clothes. I want to tell you about a church. Ephesians four. In Ephesians 4, this church, it, it was a growing church. It was a good church. They had, they had wonderful services, I'm sure. They were doing their work well, as pastors already pointed out. But there was a problem that was going on. And one thing that was going on in Ephesians 4, it says this. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. If you don't have a Bible, i got one up here for you. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. And the futility of their thoughts... They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance. That is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you learn from the Messiah, Jesus. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him because the truth is in Jesus, you took off Your former ways of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed. Say renewed. Renewed. In the spirit of your minds, you put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and the righteousness and purity of the truth. Since you put away lying, speak the truth to one another because you are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he is something to share with anyone in need. No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you in Christ. Father, this is your word. God, we can do nothing apart from you when we thank you for everything you've already done this morning. But God, we thank you for more. God, we thank you, Lord, right now that you will take the rest of this service, God, and it's just yours. I give it to you. It's not about me. It's not about any man or any woman or child. It's all about Jesus. So, God, right now I pray that you will take your word, God, and you will plant it deep within our hearts that every single one of us, myself included, may learn something, may bring something into remembrance, God, that is going to help us and sanctify us and make us closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to tell you something. There is a harvest that's already here. It's fall, right? We celebrate the harvest. We always do. I don't know why. Why in the world would we bring leaves in our house? It's weird, but we do it. Every woman in the room's like, "I got leaves on my mantle, on my door, in the kitchen." It's, I don't know why we do that, but we celebrate the fall all because of a harvest, right? Well, Jesus said in John four thirty-one through thirty-five that there is a harvest. This was right after his encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, and and they're they're trying to eat. The disciples are urging him, Jesus, you need to eat something. Teacher, you need to eat something. And he says, I have food that you don't even know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anybody brought him anything to eat? It's kind of weird. And Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months. Then come the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The fields are white for harvest. See, they would have understood that analogy. Nowadays, we don't get that because we don't farm. Not many people farm anymore. Not many people have a garden. Raise your hand if you've ever planted a garden or worked at a farm. Okay, a few of you, you get this. It would be dumb to go out and try to harvest a fruit or a vegetable or whatever when it's not in season. Yes? Yes? It would be dumb during that time. You've got to plant the thing. You've got to prepare the ground. You've got to put it in the right ground. You've got to put it in the right time of the year. You've got to prepare for the harvest. But here's the thing. I've talked to a couple of farmers, and they've told me the hardest time of the year is not planting the harvest. The hardest time of the season is when the harvest is bountiful. Because that's when you got to go out and you got to work it. That's when you got to go out every single day and make sure that you're taking that fruit, taking that vegetable, taking whatever it is, and you've got to actually harvest what you have out in the fields. But here's the problem in the church we don't ever want to do that. We always pray for a harvest. I've heard church after church after church, it don't matter. Baptist, Nazarene, Pentecostal, doesn't matter. I've heard everyone always talk about a harvest, but I see very, very, very few people actually harvesting. So today, I want to tell you a little bit about that. I'm talking about changing your clothes because here's the thing. If we're not clothed properly, we're not going to be able to go out in the field and get our harvest. (laughs) A couple of things I want to say to you. The very first question I want to ask you, ask this in your own mind. Do we even want to harvest? As I just said to you, that's the hardest time in the planting and the harvesting time of the year. That's, That's the hardest point is going out and getting it. It's easy to go out and dig a hole and plant a seed in the ground. That's real easy to do. If you're willing to make the sacrifice, you can do that. But what's really difficult is going out and getting it after it's grew. That takes special tools. That takes a special person to get up that early in the morning and go to work. That takes a takes a special type of man, a special type of woman. You got to have the right clothes to go out and get the harvest. Fields are aren't always very pretty. It's not always very glamorous. I saw a picture, and I don't have it for you. I should have did it, but I didn't. I don't know if you've ever seen a wheat field. I don't know if you've ever seen a lavender field. Lavender is very, very pretty. It's purple. It's flowery. It looks very good, but here's the problem. Lavender is not sustaining. Lavender won't do anything for you. Now, you can smell it, maybe go to sleep. I don't know. That's about all it can do. You can use it for some medicinal things, but it won't sustain you. But a wheat field that looks dirty and dry and it's brown, it's not very pretty. No one wants to go hang out in a field of wheat. You'll hang out in a field of flowers, but not a field of wheat. It's not the same, but wheat will sustain you. What am I saying? The harvest that the church has isn't very pretty. It's not the best-looking bunch, It's not the field you want to roll around and and all of that. It's not that sort of thing. You're not going to bring somebody a bunch of flowers from this type of harvest. It's the harvest that is dirty. It's the harvest that is smelly sometimes. It's the harvest that ain't always fun and ain't always easy because this harvest is people. And people are crazy, amen? We all know that. I talked to somebody the other day They said that they wanted to be a preacher We were telling a story about somebody And I said you want to know if you really want to be a preacher Can you go behind Walmart And feed the family that lives back there You want to be a man or woman of God You want to get a pulpit You want to have a fancy microphone And get to wear the suit and all that Well then can you go do that Can you go under the bridge every now and again Can you go on a missions trip and make that sacrifice Can you do that I'll tell you, my very first pulpit, and I'm nobody special, I'm not some great, super powerful, whatever, speaker that gets paid thousands, I'm not not that guy, but I can tell you this, my very first pulpit was a trash can and a broom handle, that was the very first one I had, that was my first job in the church, it wasn't preaching. You don't walk into the church and say, Hey, I've, I've got a word and we don't know who you are. No, no, no. You want to be a preacher. Preach to the field. Preach to the people outside of the house. Preach to those people. Preach to your family, sir. Preach to yourself. The Bible says that if you are going to be a, 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 a servant in his house, you have a good reputation. You are a husband of one wife. You, you take care of your home. Take care of your home first, and then you can take care of God's house. Amen. Number two, why have the harvest? I've heard it this way. I have heard so many people, and y'all have heard me talk about it a little bit. So many people have been predicting the end of time. And listen, I don't know when it is. I don't care when it is. That's not my job. I'm just here to live my life and preach Jesus until he returns. It may be in my lifetime or 100 years from now, I don't know. It ain't my decision to make. However, however, this is what Jesus said. He will prolong his coming until we have preached the gospel to every tribe, nation, and tongue. We have not done that. I say we as the Big Ste Church. And I know this church may look like a small church compared to certain ones. Listen to me, listen to me. We all have a job to play. We all have a role to do. So this church may reach one group. A bigger church may reach another group. Another church may reach another group. And if we do that and we worry more about multiplying our our outreach, then we don't have to worry about subtraction, division, and even addition. We start multiplying the gospel. We can reach the whole world, but we haven't done it yet. My former pastor used to say all the time, Coca-Cola does it better than the church does, and it's true. Coca-Cola, you can look it up online they, they have a goal to have a Coca-Cola in a walking distance on every, For every human being on the face of the earth And they have a certain date They're almost to that goal Even the tribes that they don't even know that computers exist There's a walking distance Coca-Cola to them Yet we don't have the gospel translated in their language What are we doing? I'm not saying you've got to go board a plane tomorrow. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying, on your lane. Maybe you're not supposed to be a missionary, but are, you mission, are, are is this your mission field? Is Hall County Price Road your mission field? We have a job to do, so why have the harvest? Because Jesus said so. Number three, who's going to work the harvest? If we're planting kingdom seeds, there must be someone to do kingdom work. That means this person must be a citizen of this kingdom, a new person, not something temporary, but something eternal. You have to be born again a Christian. You have to be able to put on that garment that the Bible talks about called the armor of God, and you've got to be able to do the work. Now, I'm not saying you, you, it ain't going to take time. I'm not saying you've got to go in the fast lane, go in the faith lane. Step out just a little bit off of the boat. If you fall down, Jesus will pick you back up. We're here to help you do that. But you see that we have a, a harvest problem. we got to change your clothes. Say, change your clothes. I have some clothes here. I, I'm going to prove to you that not every piece of clothing retains to the situation. Here is a, a real little sailor suit that I used to wear. Oh, I know that's sweet. Can you imagine if I tried to put this on, what would happen? Y'all would get a good laugh, but I'd be naked up here because it'd rip right off of my body. I can't wear the sailor suit. The situation doesn't call for the sailor suit anymore, amen? I got to uh, speak to the uh, football team at Chesty High School, and I told them I hung up my jersey several years ago. I can't put this on anymore. It don't even match anymore. It don't even fit my body anymore. I can't wear this. That season of my life is over. It's done. I hung it up in my closet and it don't go back on. That season's over. What season are you holding on to that you don't want to move on from that you will still in those clothes? One more. I had a. My grandmother actually paid for this. Way too expensive for these robes. But these robes was when I graduated with my bachelor's degree. I don't wear these robes anymore. I earned the right to wear them for one night. And it was over. That season of my life is done, thank God. That season of my life is over. If I go back, and actually I am right now to get a master's degree, I don't wear this stole anymore. They give me a hood. It's different. This season's over. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going forward. Amen, somebody? Amen. I was pondering about life. You know I'm a ponderer. And, and it, you can ask the question a million times, why does bad things happen? And I don't have a very clear answer, and I'm not going to pretend like I do. But I do believe the Holy Spirit spoke this to me several years ago when I was pondering the harvest. And I was pondering about this message, Change Your Clothes, the first time that I preached it. And I started to think, and I, the Holy Spirit said this to me, why are you pretending like this is forever? Oh, that, that, that'll preach. Why do we pretend like this life is forever? See, here's the thing. We, we think in context of 70 to 80 years. We think of that context as life. God, the Holy Spirit, is not concerned with that short period of life as much as they're concerned with eternity. God is not on a timeline. Humankind invented a timeline. We're the ones who started counting. God can move in and out of the timeline anytime He wants. So when we're talking about the context of the harvest and the church, we need to stop thinking about this life being forever and realize I have a season of my life when I am supposed to be reaching out to my brothers and my sisters that don't believe, that don't know, and don't care about Jesus. Jesus. I have a short season of my life to do that, and I don't know about you, but I pray to God that when I get before him, I hear, well done. And I'm going to tell him I tried. I wasn't perfect. God, I failed you time after time. I wasn't there every time I should have been there. I didn't minister to the man at the store like you told me to that one time. I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but thank you for your grace, Jesus. I tried my absolute best. I hope and pray, brother, sister that's in this room, that you can say the same thing. Not a lot of amens on that one. That's okay. God is not bound by time. The devil is not bound by time the way we are. The devil is thinking in terms of later. He's thinking of terms in eternity, but he knows that you and I are bound by time, and that's why our life gets attacked so hard, because he knows there's a short period of time. And if I can steal away their purpose their identity in Christ if I can steal away what they have to do and their gifts then I can steal everything from them and it's all focused on me that's what the devil is thinking about but here's the thing a covenant lasts forever we talk about that word in the church a lot the old covenant and the new covenant Have you ever heard that word before few people have heard that word before I'm going to tell you I'm going to teach you what a covenant is We don't know what covenant is because we don't have it anymore. We don't don't do that anymore in society. In this ancient civilization, Eastern covenant rituals pre the cross, before those times, they would cut covenant with one another. The closest thing we have to a covenant ritual is marriage and we're not very good at it. So let me tell you what they would do back in these ancient covenant rituals and I'm going to tell you how it relates to you. So Alan, go ahead and come up here. I need your help, brother. Give it up for Alan as he comes up here. It's awkward and it's weird. Let me tell you the first thing that would happen. If me and Alan was going to cut covenant with one another, here's what we would do. The very first thing that we would do is we would exchange our robes. You don't have to take yours off. i will not take mine off. Is that okay? So we would exchange our robes. So I have my sport coat here. Go ahead and put that on for me. I know it's sweaty. It's gonna be all right. <laughs> so they would exchange their robes. The reason they would exchange their robes is it represented identity. We we want we we want to look so close to one another that it's hard to tell us apart. So if he walked around town wearing my clothes, he looked more like me than he looks like himself. Alan, you probably wouldn't wear that sport coat, but you now have something that I have, right? It's a little big on you. That's all right. The next thing they would do, and we're not going to do this. We're going to do something different. They would exchange their belts. They exchange their belts representing an exchange of strengths. So he gets my strength. I get his strength, and we we, we overlook each other's weaknesses. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't have... A belt I'm going to exchange, but I'm going to exchange this. Let's go ahead and put that on. So now he's got my strength. It says pray first on that. He's got my strength. He's looking more and more like me. The next thing they would do is they would exchange weapons. The exchange of weapons represented that we exchanged each other's enemies. So whoever Alan's enemy is would become mine, and whoever my enemy is would become his. So I don't have an actual weapon on me, but I do have this, and you can do a whole lot of damage with this thing. So I'm going to give you that. Go ahead and put that in your pocket. So now he has my weapon... The next thing that would happen is there would be a sacrifice made. There had to be a shedding of blood. So they would make a sacrifice. Something had to die. The next thing is they would do this walk of death, and we're not going to do that, but they would literally walk around the sacrifice in a figure eight, and they would walk around, and that was, that was a, a exchanging of, of the sacrifice and saying we recognize that something died, and then they would make a mark on each other's bodies. I'm not going to mark you, but they would mark each other's bodies. And this was to say that he had the mark that I put on him. He put a mark on me. And so now everyone from now on would always know that we had covenant with one another. We could not break this covenant. It would be there forever. The next thing they would do is they would pronounce blessings over one another. So I would literally put my hands on Alan and I would pray over him and I would bless him and his family and then he would pray over me and bless me and my family and then we would share a meal together because we're church people and everybody always shares meals. And so we would share a meal together in remembrance of the commitment that was made and then this part's important, we would exchange a piece of our names. I would give him a part of my name, he would give me a part of His name, and they would be combined together. So from then on, everywhere we went, my identity meshed with His identity, His identity meshed with my identity. Do you see how this is supposed to be what marriage is? Do you see how how this relates? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have a covenant with God through Jesus if you're a Christian. Here's the thing that we just don't even realize. Jesus Christ did all of that. We didn't have to do very much. He did all of that. He exchanged his entire life. What was the sacrifice? It was himself. What was the robes? It was the garment of praise he gave up for us. What was, what was the, the exchange of enemies? Well, our, our enemy uh, is death. His, his enemy was the enemy, the devil. And he exchanged that. That's why the devil hates you. But he sent his promised Holy Spirit, so now you can fight against the devil. He 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 took care of death for us. That is no longer our enemy. We treat it like it is, but it's not. That's not your enemy anymore. Because we have eternal life in Him. He exchanged some things. What what, what was the meal? Well, Jesus Himself said, do this in remembrance of me. And we have a communion meal that we get to share with Him. He blessed us. He marked us for all eternity. The Bible talks about a circumcision, a cutting of the heart. So you have a mark on you. Then we exchange our names and that's why we walk around and we can call ourselves Christians. Do you see how you have a covenant with God now through Jesus? You could take all that off and leave it laying there. Thank you so much, Alan. Clap for Alan. Now that we understand that there's a harvest, now that we understand who the harvesters are. Now that we understand those things, we have work to do. We we can't live in the past. That's why there's some churches out there that will celebrate and every couple of years they'll have some sort of camp meeting or revival service in remembrance of a revival that took place 20 years ago. And that's all fine and dandy, but let me tell you something, God don't want to redo. God wants to do a new thing. So you can't live in that. If you're still wallowing in your mess It's time to change your clothes You can have a brand new heart And still be wearing the old self You you, you can be a Christian Saved Know where you're going when you die That's great and that's wonderful And that's all that But if you don't ever change your clothes How will you ever find your purpose? This church has a mission statement What is it? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That is not a one-shot-and-you're-done mission. That is, we're going to walk this thing out together. That is, after you become a Christian, after you receive God, after you make that decision, and then you're going to find freedom. We can't give you freedom, but He can. We can teach you how to find that freedom. That's why we have a freedom small group, praise God. Find freedom and then know your purpose. What's your purpose? Well, we all have a unique purpose and a unique gift, but at the end of the day, the Bible says that everybody is a minister of reconciliation. What that means is you and I, sir, you and I, ma'am, every single one of us, don't matter what title you have, don't matter what education you have or don't have, every single one of us has the gift and the ability to go preach Jesus to the whole world. We've got to change our clothes, though. In the Bible, there's so many stories about people changing their clothes. One of them was Lazarus. It's one of my all-time favorite stories. And I love love it. Everyone thought Jesus wasn't on time because Lazarus dies, but Jesus was right on time. And he walks into a situation and he looks over, and the Bible says he's looking over to all the mourners. Back in those days, they paid people to mourn people. It was a job, a profession, that people could actually go and be professional mourners. So they're crying and they're wallowing and all this stuff. And they got these, these clothes on that are ceremonial for death. It had been three days. and He's been dead that whole time and they're still over there crying and carrying on. And Lazarus' sisters, one of them's all upset with Jesus, and then Jesus had an exchange with her, and he said, Take me over where he is. And and I love Jesus, didn't have to lay hands on him. Jesus didn't do any of those things. What he did is he spoke. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a stinky, smelly, nasty grave out comes Lazarus. And he was wrapped in grave clothes. And I can just see Lazarus I can just see him stumbling out I'm sure everybody in the whole place was like What in the world? This man was dead or Did we get it wrong? And I can just see them now I can can hear somebody in the back And this isn't in the Bible But I can just hear somebody in the back Take the clothes off of him Take the clothes off of him Get him cleaned up He's not in the grave anymore He's not in the grave closed Get him out Change his clothes He's still got work to do I can just see it now. There's a story of Naomi and Naomi's husband passed away and and Naomi was still wearing the the mourning clothes and the man of God told her in the Bible, it's in Ruth if you want to look it up, and and the man of God says, change your clothes. And I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus is saying to His church today, you don't look like me very much. I have covenant with you, but you've done forgot you don't dress like me You don't talk like me You don't act like me You don't smell like me You're ashamed of my name You look like a cool production And I'm, I'm, I'm all for the lights and the smoke I'm all for it But sometimes I wonder Just like Pastor said this morning Sometimes I wonder if we've lost it Listen, there's been an argument For, for probably 20, 30, 40 years Of how to have church Should we have wooden pews and an organ? Or should we have a full stage and a full band? They've been arguing about it forever, and guess what? Jesus had neither one. doesn't matter. Just worship. Don't overthink it. Just worship. It's more to reach the people that are lost than it is for you, Christian. I'm just going to be done, but here's what I need to say to you. The Holy Spirit told me I had a dream. I had a dream the other day. I wasn't going to share it, but I'm going to share it. I had a dream the other day while I was dealing with the jaw thing. And I saw this church in the dream, and I walked up to the door. God told me to go in the door. It wasn't during church time. No service was supposed to be going on. And it was in the late afternoon on one day. And I'll get to the front door. And I see that they had turned into these old wooden doors. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, that represents the old way, the old covenant. Not the old church ritualistic garbage. But no, 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 the old covenant, the gospel. And I walk in and I see kids. And I see teenagers. I see young people. And they're preaching. And they're teaching. And they're worshiping. No band. No fancy lights. Just, just all over this place. And I walked in and I sat in the back of the room and I just watched. And in the dream, this woman walks in. She comes in from the back and she walks in. And she gets down to the altar and she cowers under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm all for laying on her hands, but nobody touched her. She just cowered. And then she got up and said she was healed and started dancing. And then this song started playing. It was Victory in Jesus. And it went not the old school hymnal. It was a new version of people dancing. And it was praise. And it was exciting. And people were, are praising. And, I, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to walk outside and go around the corner. And I walked outside and I went around the corner. And I saw a narrow road. And I saw these big giant holes. And people had fell in the holes. Older people had fell in the holes. People that, that weren't young. The young people was inside. I saw the old people in the holes. And I saw, and I'm just going to say what I saw. Brother Ralph, I saw you in one of the holes. And I said, God, what does this mean? And he said, these are the old wells. These are the old wells being dug back up that the young people can use. And my God, this morning, if almost every single young person wasn't in this altar. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about something deeper. I don't care if I got to go in a place and wear a three piece suit or wear jeans, jeans and a t shirt. I'll wear whatever I got to wear. But there's something eternal that needs to change. I don't need to waller in the same old mess. It's time to change your clothes. It's time. It's time. We're going in a new season. The Ed's church is going in a new season. It's time. It's time. It's time. It won't, the old won't work. The old G won't work. It's we got to go to a deeper level. And even deeper. We have good church service, but it's going to go deeper. we got to change some things. And just be okay with it. Because again, it ain't for you and me. It's for those outside. Change your clothes. Somebody say change your clothes. Change your clothes. I'm done. But can I tell you one last thing? I'm going to tell you a lie, and then I'm going to tell you the truth. Here's the lie. You will know yourself when you explore who you are. That's what they told me all through elementary school. That's what they told me in middle school, high school, and then they definitely told me in college. Explore who you are. Explore whatever you want to, and then you'll find out who you are. But let me tell you the truth. Here's the truth. You will know yourself when you explore who Jesus is. I'm going to pray and then I'm handing it back over to Pastor. Father, I thank you for a brand new season. God, I thank you that the old self won't work anymore. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy to help us to change our clothes spiritually. God, because it ain't always easy, and I'm not pretending like it is, but God, you went through every single temptation in the desert so that we can overcome. You were beaten, bruised, spat on, ripped open so that we can be healed. You, Jesus, you did it all. You took on a human physical suit so that we can put on your Holy Spirit and be filled with power, God. And God, this morning we just give our lives to you If there's someone that don't know you, they start their journey today. If there's someone that does, they're going to a deeper level today. God, help me to change my clothes because it's a new season. Father, I worship you, I honor you, and I thank you. I thank you for what you're going to do in the days to come. I thank you for what you've done in the past, but it's a new season. In Jesus' name, amen. You just listened to the Millennial Preacher podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you'll listen to us again next week and hit that subscribe button. You can find new episodes every weekend right here at the Millennial Preacher. Until then, we'll see you later.